now in tune with the podcast of Elegance and Class. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Chris Talk Podcast. What's going on, everybody? It's been such a long time uh, since I spoke to you all, and um, you're probably wondering why the hell am I back. And I, I just felt like it. I felt like it. I feel like I have the, you know, the freedom to do what I like when I like. Um, of course, I am develop. There are a lot of things in development, right? Like, you know, we have a new studio. We have upcoming podcasts coming up. It's going to be a lot of great things going on. But this is a very special episode because I'm getting a, like, not a once in a lifetime thing, but it's very rare that I get a chance to have friends of mine who are doing big things within the, the world and the community um, and working in politics. So there are a lot of great people on the way. But this friend of mine, uh, I, I reached out to them and we talked about it. And I was like, yo, let's interview. You know, <laughs> let's, let's, let's let the world know who you are. And they're running for a position in the Senate. Uh, they're one of the three candidates running for the 27th district in the Senate in Washington. And I'm, I'm really excited uh, to introduce this next person. We met on, on in a kind of like the professional realm. And what I liked about her was she had a very bold presence, like very professional, but very, very like it was it was definitely authentic. And I love, and I, and I gravitate towards authenticity. So this is a really cool person to meet. She just reminded me of, of some of the, uh, the homies from, from back in the day. And I, I loved her energy. And I loved the fact that she was her whole ass self. <laughs> in, a, um, in a space where people, you know, like to put on masks and faces and things like that. And it was just good to, to hear that. So when I found out that she's running for office and she's uh, making weight, I was very excited to interview her. And I'm so excited for you all to hear her story and how she's coming out and what she represents. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to introduce you all to my dear friend, Desiree Wilkins-Finch. Wow. Yeah, Can I, you call me every day? Yeah, yeah. And say that? That is, you know, I'm, for a small charge. Absolutely. <laughs> What's Absolutely. your rate? <laughs> I am. I am all about getting this money. Money for motivation, everybody. <laughs> Chris what Mark. a humbling introduction. Thank you. It's an honor to be blessed mm. uh, by your energy in the studio and to let me sit at the mic. I appreciate you, friend. Uh, no problem. It's, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to talk with you. All right. Let's get to the things at hand. Like, we know each other personally. We are all good. I, like I said, I was very excited uh, when I heard about you doing this. And I remember calling you like, yo. <laughs> You you like you in the game? You about to get in the streets? These political streets? You really out here? And uh, it was shocking, but I'm 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 I was like, wow, I was taken aback, but I'm, I'm very I was interested immediately. I was like, all right, let's see how this works. So yeah, so we're gonna get into all the you know the politics and things like that. But mm-hmm. uh, what I want everybody to know is like I think what's interesting is your story about how you came to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, we we all. You know, of course, we all live in, uh, we're, we're in Tacoma, yeah. uh, Washington. We are not from this area. No, I am not. Area. I'm from the south side Yes. of Chicago, neighborhood called Roseland, 118th in Michigan. Chi-town. Chi-town. I used to live in Chi-town. I, I, I definitely know about the Wild Hunnets. Yes. Wow, wow. Wild Hunnets <laughs> and all those things. I didn't go there because, you know, safety. But... Uh, <laughs> 
No, nah, but I understand. Can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing in Chicago? What was it like growing up out there? Mm. Oh, that's a great question. It, it's uh, funny you, you say that because whenever my sister and I were home, we always liked to be nostalgic and drive through the neighborhood, mm. you know, in the daytime, of course. And uh, the last time we were there in the daytime, there had just been a shooting and detectives were out collecting shells in the daytime right across the street from where we grew up. So we just realized it was probably um, not a good idea to continue being um, nostalgic like that, especially when the house is not even there anymore. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm from the south side of Chicago, born and raised. Um, Mm -hmm. I grew up, like I said, in Roseland, and uh, my parents were um, uh, entrepreneurs in the hood, right? So my Mm -hmm. my, uh, grandfather owned a heating and cooling business, which um, somehow my father inherited. And um, my dad was the neighborhood heating and cooling man. All right. And folks call him Mr. Wilkerson. And it was funny mm-hmm. because actually when I moved here, I was at, uh, uh, oh, my God, what was the name of that that jazz place? Sugar Jazz or something? I can't remember the name of it. It was in Renton. And Josephine Howe was singing. And she, she shouted out Southside. And so during the break, I uh, told her I was from the South Side. We lived right around the corner from each other, and she knew my father. Wow. She said, Mr. Wilkerson? That's what everybody in the neighborhood called him. So I grew up in in a family, you know, neighborhood business, and, you know, folks didn't really mess with us because, you know, mm. my father was a little, re- not respected. He wasn't like, you know, that guy, but, you know, he was respected, didn't bother yeah. anybody, and um, he owned uh, that company, and then he owned a limousine company, and then he was a, a real estate broker. All right. Uh, you know, he was a self-taught kind of renaissance man. Mm. And so um, I always say I've been working all my life mm-hmm. because, you know, when there's a family business, the family works the business. And so my mother would call it room and board. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I've been strategizing and project managing <laughs> uh, since I was four oh, years yeah. old. So my sister and I uh, both got the privilege of, you know, going to private school. So we didn't have to go to school in our neighborhood. And um, uh, both had the privilege to go away to college. And, uh, and uh, you know, we were tasked with if you went to college, then you made it. Mm-hmm. Now, college will tell you what your next step is, right? And we all know that's not how that works. But, um, you know, my family did the best they could uh, for my my sister and I with what they had. And I am so honored and so grateful um, for the things that, you know, they they sacrificed and did for us. And I, I always open a lot of my, my keynotes with who I am, that I'm the great-granddaughter of a slave who became a sharecropper. And people always question me, great granddaughter. Yes. It was the four generations. So if my if my grandfather, great grandfather was a slave, I wonder what that makes some of my colleagues and peers great grandfathers. Mm. So folks don't generally like that, but that's the reality of our narratives and our yeah. stories. It's not that long ago. It's not that long ago. At all. Um I remember my mother helped integrate her own her high school. Mm. My mother's not that old. Mm-hmm. Like she's mm-hmm. like sixty four. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. uh, so to have that happen is is definitely mm. um definitely a reality. Yeah, check. And it feels time. good though. It yeah. feels good to to know that I am the descendant of of mm. black excellence. Yes, you know, even in yes. the midst of oppression, mm. uh, four generations later, we still get to to be and to exist and to lead and to thrive. And so, Very it's an honor that I carry. So 
All right, so you moved through Chicago. You were out there for, for a lot of your life, right? Growing yeah, up. until I left for school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where did you go to school? I went to undergrad at, I started out at Lawrence University Conservatory of Music. I play flute, so I got the, uh, I got a, a full scholarship, which, um, that's a whole nother podcast. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. My story is not roses and peaches. It is mm-hmm. full of uh, struggle and, and, uh, and joy and joy. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, I had a full scholarship to Lawrence University Conservatory of Music and flute performance. I um, was studying under Ernestine Whitman mm-hmm. in, uh, in Appleton, Wisconsin. So you can imagine that's why I say that's an entire yeah, uh, another that's podcast. That's an experience. It, it was indeed an experience. It was the first time I had been called a nigger to my face. Mm. Um, and uh, anyway, that was, that was, and I was only 17, had just turned 17 because I was yeah. a, a, a young, um, one of those summer babies that started school at four, not because I was a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I started undergrad there and then stayed there for about two years and left, went to a community college for a year to switch my major over because the world of classical music didn't really create a sense of belonging for me. And even though I was good, um, which I didn't know that I was good until, um, i never forget, I was walking through campus and Appleton's campus is just absolutely beautiful. And I was walking through campus and one of the other uh, uh, flautists in, in my studio, um, you know, because they didn't really talk to me. Mm-hmm. They didn't really, they didn't really like me. And I understand, like, what the hell did I do? Mm-hmm. Like, I just showed up. <laughs> I'm yeah. just here. And uh, which was hard because, you know, I was the only, I want to say there was two, maybe three black people in the entire conservatory. Mm-hmm. Um, and less than 3% in the entire school. But I was walking through campus and she stopped me and she says, um, you know, we, you know, did just a general exchange. How you doing and all that other stuff. You know, I wished her well and went on my way. And she says, you know why people don't like you? And I was like, girl, I sure don't. I thought I was crazy. What, 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 what did I do, Chad? What did I do to the people? And she said, you were the one to beat. Mm. And I was like, what does that mean? She says, when we were all auditioning, you know, there was the one to beat. You were the one. Um, you were the good one that everyone, everybody wanted to to get that spot, you know, yeah. to have that 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 privilege of having that narrative around them. I didn't know that that was you. I I didn't know. Um, and so, you know, you you said this when you opened. You said that I was bold, and I've been hearing that a lot on this on the show, and it's very triggering for me mm. because I don't experience myself. Yeah. As bold, I don't experience myself as having big energy. So when people say that, it's, it's very jolting to me. Um, but we had that we had that transformative conversation, and what it did is it helped me, you know, because I've had to learn how to use my energy. It helped me kind of soften a little bit so mm-hmm. that I could be in relationship um, with uh, the folks in my studio because I deep I'm one of those people that deeply learn yearn for connectedness, you know. But anyway, I. Um, uh, left there, went to a community college to switch my major over because it was just, I could not fit into the world of classical music. I couldn't fit their structures. I couldn't fit their norms. Um, and I, I didn't think they wanted me to, right? Um, they definitely didn't want me to show up authentically as who I was, which is fine. You know, it, it is what it is. But um, it was challenging. As, as much as I love classical music, it's, it's amazing that, you know, 20-something years later, I get to sit on the board of Symphony Tacoma, and I do it with so much joy. I, I love, I love our symphony. Y'all should go. The season's going to be amazing. Um, but then I left and went to um, the 
Ohio State University. <laughs> <laughs> I had the privilege of working with a former um, mayor of Dalton, Illinois, when I was at this community college, and he opened my eyes to black history. You know, it was like it's one thing growing up in the hood, right? Mm-hmm. But it's another thing when you understand, you know, the civil rights era and you understand what folks were marching for and it and how it's related to your present day and your current kind of positionality. And um and uh um he opened my eyes and it was just amazing. He he would give me records like Malcolm X's like actual records, mm-hmm. right? Yes. You remember those? Um yes. And, you know, our generation, we see that as like a treat and joy to, you know, listen to records. But anyway, um, I never forget he gave me one of my favorites was Malcolm X's unfinished uh, message, his last unfinished message. And it was just phenomenal to hear, you know, because in school, we don't get to hear Malcolm X. Mm -hmm. We hear Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah. Right. But we don't hear about some of the other radical um, Mm -hmm. leaders, you know, through the civil rights movement even now. And so it just opened my eyes and Ohio state has an amazing African-American um, uh, uh, history program. And so that's where I went and then finished there. And um, the rest was history. That, that is a very awesome story. Yeah. Uh, to double back on what you said about being bold and triggering. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. It's interesting. I think that um, the boldness mm-hmm. is honestly what, what shines I feel like it makes you you stand out. Mm. You know, I, there's there's a, a saying that like um, women who behave seldomly make history. <laughs> you know, so and I, I think that's I think that's true for a lot of ways. It always mm-hmm. takes somebody, um, whether no matter what your background is, mm-hmm. it always when you're willing to break from the grain, mm-hmm. as quote to to make yourself stand out in mm-hmm. a sense and to speak for the people who believe the same, mm-hmm. but they don't have the courage. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, it's always so. Sometimes when people are bold, it it, it takes a lot of courage yeah. to be bold. Mm. You know, because you're speaking out of the level of comfort. Mm. You know, you're, you're breaking away from comfort mm-hmm. to um to be good. And I think that's a, a very powerful thing. I I appreciate that. I guess I just you know, and that and that word has been thrown at me too. You know, courageous. Mm. You know, Desiree, that was very courageous. Mm. And I'm I I you know people the the other word is strong. Yeah. And it's like. Thank you. I'm learning to say thank you. Mm-hmm. And that's not what it is. Yeah. Do you think that it's a... I, I do believe that it's a coded thing in a sense mm-hmm. uh, when they talk about black women. Uh, yeah. Because black women, they're, I would say black women are the most unprotected group mm-hmm. in America. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times when they're unprotected, they get gaslit. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, you're strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's the trope of black women just grit and bear it mm-hmm. off and they're not supposed to have feelings. Yeah. Things like that. And it's yeah. hard to it's hard to like take that knowledge mm-hmm. but also, you know, deal with the things because yes, we are strong humans, mm-hmm. right? Like black women are strong. Mm-hmm. But but so is everyone else, mm-hmm. um, depending on what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you don't have feelings, that right. you're not human. Right. Um, right. You, like I'm very soft actually, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. But it's 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 not for me, it's survival. It's mm-hmm. what other choice do I have? I'll never forget when I came out of school, I was a manager for Walgreens and I mm-hmm. worked at this uh I got the privilege of working at this twenty four hour store managed by Mr. Sporletter, real tall, six mm-hmm. five bald white dude. Very handsome, mm-hmm. um, but very stoic, very brass, yeah. didn't engage and wasn't, you know, engaging or, or any of that. And I'll never forget, he handed me, you know, I trained for maybe two or three days. He handed me the keys and he said, good luck. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what if? And he said, figure it out. 
I said, well, what if? He was like, figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so since that day, right, and I probably would even argue before then, I'll never, when I, when I lost my scholarship and had to come home, and my mother said, well, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I, I don't know. And she said, well, figure it out. Mm -hmm. But what you're not going to do, you know, is stay, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. so I had to figure it out. And I remember taking, getting on a Greyhound and going to Ohio State to check out the campus by mm -hmm. myself. And, and I remember crying in the financial aid office because they were like, you can't afford to go here without your mother agreeing to this plus loan. Mm. So I had to call in bed, you know. So I've been figuring it out and figuring it out, and I'm exhausted. Mm. So when people say you're strong or you're courageous or you're brave, it's like, mm. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm hurting. Mm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. can I get a break? <laughs> yeah. No, you know? yeah. And I'm, and I'm not saying this for a pity party by no stretch of imagination, uh, because too much is given, you know, much is required. And I humbly stand, you know, to serve and work in community. I love it. I love loving on people. Um, but I do think that, you know, there needs to be a conversation about the depth of anti-blackness in our community. Yes. You know, and and talking about anti-blackness doesn't mean that we are anti other people. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been feeling is that me using this platform to say, consider us mm -hmm. is being misinterpreted as consider only us. Now, let me be very clear. I'm not saying all lives matter. That's not what I'm saying by any stretch of imagination. <laughs> they do. But right now, black lives matter. Right. Yeah. Um, and we need to have this conversation about why some of our spaces don't reflect the vibrancy of our community. And saying that I'm here to support you, my brother, right, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I'm not going to support my white colleague. Okay. It doesn't, it, there has to be a specific, intentional conversation about uh, the, the strain that our black community, our black leaders, our black women leaders, our black male leaders, our black LGBTQIA leaders are facing in this community. Mm -hmm. And we talk about it behind closed doors. You know, so I I just I appreciate and I and it is very humbling when people say, you know, strength and and courage and all of that. But for there to be strength, there has to be some sort of pressure that was, you know, put to show that they were strong enough to withstand the pressure. Yeah. That doesn't feel good, y'all. Mm. Let's talk about the pressure that makes us strong. Let's talk about the pressure that makes us courageous. Mm. Let's talk about that. So that we can heal, so that we can be better servants. Bars. You so crazy. <laughs> that was dope as. I'm gonna say it, that was dope as fuck. You are so <laughs> crazy. <laughs> but no, what I think you bring up so many elements of of what's going on within within our community and outside of our community. A lot of times we don't grant each other the grace yeah. needed to be human, and yeah. I think part of that, at the core of it, I feel is you know, white supremacy, mm -hmm. in a sense, because mm -hmm. we are, and then part of it's American culture in mm -hmm. general, right? We are taught to be pretty much just working you. Yeah. Essentially. And it's like, you work, work, work. Yeah. You know, let's not care about all the human mm -hmm. things. And then they wonder why there's so much, you know, mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, yeah. everything. Yeah. You know, because we're not allowed to be human. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, no, I totally feel you. I totally get where you are. Thank you so much. I probably lost some votes on that one. No, no, no. I think you <laughs> I think you might have gained some. I thought that's good. And and so that's it's a great segue. I was gonna mm. ask, how did you get into politics? Mm. Oh wow. Um, where did I get into politics? 
Mm, mm. I'm sorry, I had like five memories. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't really. This it. is a privilege to like sit and tell your story, right? Because yeah. there's no time to sit and write my story and to mm. you know to to go over the 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 forty years of of stuff and put it into a bow to mm-hmm. make it you know tolerable for people. Yeah. So it's a privilege to just have a second and just um and just kind of think it through. Um, it actually started, I was in real estate and I was, te- <laughs> you really? like looked up like what? Oh, I've, right. I've had like All 59 right. jobs. Yeah. Um, I was in real estate because uh, my father was a broker. So the expectation is that we would be in business together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilkins, Wilkins and Wilkins was going to be the name of the firm. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I was also substitute teaching because I wanted to go into secondary education, but then I got into the classroom um, and was just like, you know, this is not my ministry. You know, I, I love the concept of serving uh, our babies, but um, it's just not what I was called to do. Um, and so I, I was because I was fighting and resisting working with my dad. Um, he passed away um, and um, he actually passed away soon after I got my real estate license. Uh, so we never really got to um, to work together. And I'll never forget how proud he was that I got my license. But anyway, after he passed, I. Um, just was really not sure of what my next step was going to be because we were in business together and I was actually working for a real estate firm I had five deals on the table and this firm has closed and has, you know, been through all of the, the legal stuff, but the broker took all of my deals because I was burying my father. And so I didn't have the attention to, you know, mm. uh, to it. And so I was devastated. And so I just didn't know kind of what my next move was going to be because I felt like real estate, you have to kind of trust or know someone to, kind of, you know, get you going. Um, and so I was actually a union organizer. Um, I, I did my internship as a union organizer uh, to, to graduate. You have to have from Ohio State, you have to have an internship. And I didn't have one. And my teacher just happened. He never talked to us about anything other than black law. It was this black law class taught by this British guy. And he, you know, taught by the Socratic method. So you had to know these cases. It was insane. But he happened to come in one day and say, for my seniors who still need internships, AFL-CIO Union, Union Summer. And so I had done Union Summer and, you know, made some amazing uh, friends. And so when my father passed, my friend Alan Sable called me and was like, you need to come work for the union. You know, you were great at it. it, it it's innate for you. I'll make a call. And so um, he called a colleague of mine, of ours, and I started working for SEIU 880 on the south side of Chicago. Um, but prior to, to actually working for the union, I, because of um, uh, my AFL-CIO back, background, Bobby Steele, which is not going to really ring for folks here in Washington, but in Chicago, yeah, this, she, was the, big. Yep, she was the first African-American woman Cook County Board president. So she was on the city council, but she was going for, um, on the county council, but she was going for president after uh, Bobby Stroger, I think was his name. Um uh, I think his term had ended, I believe. Anyway, my history is a little fuzzy. It's been years. Um, but she started her campaign, and it was called Women of Steel. And um, she just introduced me to West Side Chicago politics, and I just fell in love. And I saw her serve, and she, our, the, our group was called Women of Steel. And seeing these black, professional, powerful women talk about politics in Chicago, it blew my mind. And then she found out I was working for the union. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
because I wanted to, she called me a rebel rouser. Because I wanted mm-hmm. to keep that energy of service, you know, mm-hmm. afloat in me. And so I've, I worked for the union for years and we get the opportunity to work on campaigns. And then I moved out here and uh, ran my first campaign here in Washington, Victoria Woods for mayor. Nice. Yeah. What was it? I was going to ask, like, and, and that's dope. Because uh, Victoria Woods is currently still the mayor. Mm-hmm. What was it like working during that campaign and what did it teach you? Um, it was amazing. Um, you know, you know, I didn't know the players when I moved here mm-hmm. and I was working for Fuse Washington at the time, I believe. And we had to interview the candidates and mm. the, the mayoral candidates. So it was her and, ooh, I cannot remember her opponent's name to save my life. It's, it's not uh, important for the story. Um, I thought it came to me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, I had heard a lot about her and, mm-hmm. um, and they were challenging questions. They were challenging things that I had heard. And yeah. we, we don't need to relive that. That's not uh, valid. I think she's phenomenal. Um, and um, I, so I had hard-hitting questions. Mm-hmm. And I asked her those questions. And, of course, in Victoria fashion, she was courageous and bold and <laughs> honest and focused and sincere. As all black women are. Right. Every last one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and she, 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 was, she was phenomenal. And so we talked for hours afterwards. And um, shortly after, we talked about running her campaign. And it was, it was um, you know, I credit her to a lot of my success today. Is uh, mm-hmm. She opened up 30 years of relationships that she had and mm-hmm. I nurtured those relationships, worked those relationships, yeah. um, honored them, um, mm-hmm. and uh used it to um to uh to serve community, to mm-hmm. know know resources, know how to com- connect, you know, who's working on what and um to ask those tough questions and who should be at the table and mm-hmm. um and it, it just it was such an honor to 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 stand on her sh- I always say stand on her shoulders, but, you know, people always, of mm-hmm. course, they don't like that. They like you to say stand by shoulder to shoulder. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. I truly, truly, like, sincerely um, honor those that have done the work, mm-hmm. uh, you know, before us because it makes it easier for me to walk in your footsteps, right? Yeah. And then it makes the ones that come after me, it makes the journey just a little bit easier. And uh, we don't talk about that. You know, we're put here, right, to make it a little bit easier for the ones, for our children, right? And it's the same way in, in the relationships that we have in the community. Um, we wouldn't be sitting here if, if some folks hadn't put some footsteps, you know, in, in the sand. And so I have to honor, you know, those that come before me. And, you know, I, I, I believe they believe it and receive it because it's the truth. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether they do or they don't, um, it's, it's my heart. Is I, I, I'm so grateful for the leadership that we have here in Tacoma. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think that... Um especially with all that experience, it, it obviously leads me to my next question. Mm-hmm. What is the moment where you felt like you were called to serve? Because I know that you've been working behind the scenes and learning so much, what I, I imagine is so inspirational. But, you know, you, you're running uh, for this potential candidacy and everything. What was the moment where you were like, hey, I got to get into this? You mean service altogether or the Senate race? The Senate race. Officially. Okay. 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 A colleague came mm-hmm. and asked for support. And um, some of the names that had been thrown around just didn't look like me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these were a lot of people who, um, you know, have a political footprint 
um, in our community. And this was, you know, Jeannie Darnell, um, upon her retirement, uh, wrote a letter suggesting, influencing, encouraging that this seat be a person of color. And that right there was the um, go time, right? Like that was the call to action. And I felt like, and this is just my personal opinion, right? I felt like we just got a call to action. And if you are not fitting that description, I'm concerned why your hand is raised. These are friends, right? These are colleagues. These are people that I have the utmost respect for. There's a problem I've experienced, experiences that, experienced here is that you can't say that I respect you and say no or disagree, right? Both can be true. And I would hope it's true with me. Like, don't have me out here thinking that mm. I don't ever want to assume. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I said, you know, that I'm not going to do that mm. because I'm actually going to run. All right. And so it wasn't like I didn't put any deep thought into it. I didn't, like, I'm not a political strategist. I don't have any, like, huge political goals here in, in Tacoma by no stretch of imagination. There was an opportunity that was presented mm-hmm. and historically uh, uh, African-American people do better through appointments um, than through the electoral process. Um, and so um, it became, if you see me mm-hmm. and if you say you're my friend, mm-hmm. then we shouldn't be alarmed that I'm saying me and not you. If you truly see me and, and you say that I'm great and you say that I'm a great leader and you love when I have these hard questions and you call me courageous, you call me bold, mm-hmm. you hug on me, you love my baby, right? right? But, mm-hmm. but, but we're, we're surprised mm-hmm. that I said no. I want the support, right? And somehow advocating for myself pisses people off or hurts their feeling or makes them think that I'm not supportive of what, what their goals. And it's not true. Can both be true? Can I advocate for myself, but still want to see you win? Like, can that be a real thing? Because it really is the truth. I am so excited that the three candidates are Brown. Yeah. I said it. Vote Brown. Hashtag. Mm -hmm. Do it. Do you know how bold it was to say that? How scary it was to say that. It was terrifying. But but just because I say vote brown doesn't mean that I'm going to not advocate yeah. for myself or for my community. It just doesn't mean that. Yeah. Um, so uh, that that's kind of kind of. Um, I done got off on a tangent. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I feel like, honestly, you, you're helping me out. This, this, this is an easy interview because <laughs> it led to my next question. Because mm-hmm. we we're in a fortunate position right now to have, like, these people of color. Like, our candidates are all people of color, mm-hmm. which in a sense from historic. a— Historic. Historic, right? And also, it's one of those things like, oh, God, well, whatever it is, it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I think that's, that's a plus. Right. But, but I was going to ask, why, why you? Um, mm-hmm. For all the listeners here— People who are going to vote and they may not know anything about you or 
anything about anybody Mm -hmm. in this. Why should people put your name in that? That's a great question. So it's only right now the way the process works is first it goes through the hands of the PCOs, and we've done that process, and that was how the three of us were selected. Um, They were supposed to pick three of their top candidates, and so we were the three, Yasmin, myself, Yasmin Trudeau, uh, myself, and Lamont Green, Dr. Lamont Green. And um, then after this process, it goes to the Pierce County Council, and uh, they get to vote and decide on their top pick on November 2nd on Tuesday. Right. Um, and it's so funny you ask me why me, because a year ago I couldn't answer this question because I felt like popping my collar, mm-hmm. right, was not appropriate, right? I should it, it I should exhibit humility and you know all the things mm-hmm. and um uh, and and not boast about myself. Um but I say why me because I think I think um I think that Yasmin would be phenomenal. Um, because uh, she currently uh, works in Olympia uh, with uh, in Bob Ferguson's office for the attorney general, uh, who could po- possibly one day be our governor. And then Lamont Green, Dr. Lamont Green in his own rights is just uh, phenomenal and would be uh, great. And I believe would be um, the only African-American male from the LGBTQIA community um, if he were to be elected. But the reason why mm-hmm. I believe that I'm the best person for this job is because of the work that I've done in these streets, in this community, mm. uh, building relationships, uh, asking tough questions, being a conduit of trans- transformation um, and, and uh, authenticity. And, and I use that boldness and that energy um, to speak truth to power mm. and to figure out what are the obstacles to pro- progress? Uh, what is the one collective step that we can take to achieve our goals, right? Um, I sit on boards right here in this community uh, when COVID hit, a colleague of mine who works at uh, one of the hospitals, um, uh, one of the multi-care hospitals here, said, you know, um, uh, our community's forgotten about us. Mm-hmm. I said, well, what, what do you need? What can we do as a community to serve you in this time? And she was like, send food, because we, sometimes we're here for days at a time. And so in, in under two weeks, just from a Facebook post, I was able to collect $4,000 and feed all of the multi-care hospitals um, in the city, um, in Tacoma, but because we did it together, right? And it's that type of leadership um, that I love to bring to spaces, uh, to say who should be at the table, who's missing, uh, to say, hey, stop, Seattle. You can't come into Tacoma and do this. There are already organizations doing this work. Mm -hmm. How do we work in partnership, right? Uh, What are the resources that are in Seattle? Because I do have um, I did do leadership tomorrow in uh, Seattle and have clients in Seattle. And so what are the resources that Seattle has that could be useful for some of the projects and things that are happening in mm. Tacoma? How do we talk about environmental justice to, in, in communities that look like me? Right. I'm standing in front of a I always say this. I'm standing in front of five garbage cans trying to figure out which uh, garbage can to throw away a mustard packet. Right. That's not necessarily environmental justice. Right. How do we make it make sense for our daily lives when we talk about LNG? What does that mean for me trying to work every day, nine to five, punch a clock? You know, what does that mean for the people in the hilltop? What does that mean for the people in the east side? Not just what it means for environmentalists that more often than not don't look like the communities that are most impacted what does it mean for the communities who are most impacted? And how do we make it plain so that we can chew on it and feel it and be transformed because of it and buy it and make one step, you know, in the right directions towards, towards change or towards transformation or growth? Well, all right. That's a, 
that's a hell of a pitch. And it's uh, 10 o'clock at night. I think yeah, I'm doing okay. You're doing, you're doing great. You're you know, after great. 40, when you hit 40, I'm learning. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, nighttime. Yeah, 10 o'clock nighttime. is it's 2 o'clock in the morning to me. It's crazy. I respect streetlights so much now. <laughs> I used to hate it when I was a kid. Yeah. And now it's like, ooh, it's almost bedtime. Favorite time of the night. Now so, go to sleep. It is. That is awesome. All right. Thank you so much uh, for giving us such a detailed view of your upbringing and what you stand for. I think that it's very inspirational. I am looking forward to seeing how um, voting goes. Yeah, me and, too. And what you do in the future. Yeah. It's going to be great. We're going to break down and uh, we're going to lighten it up a little bit. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions before we're out of here. Okay. All right. So okay. first things first, I want to ask. I love love asking people different questions because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for all the random questions. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're getting into politics. And I know, understand that you... In general, like everybody else, we watch a lot of TV, mm-hmm. watch a lot of fictional things like that. I want to ask, who is your favorite fictional political character? You know, I love those political shows like West Wing mm-hmm. um, and uh, House of Cards. And, um, but I have to say, Pope. Olivia Pope. <laughs> I do. I love Olivia Oh, wait. Well, that's not politics. I, I mean, was going to say uh, Ray uh, Ray Reddington from um, Blacklist, but that's not politics. That's not. not. Um, so I'd say uh, Olivia. Olivia, yeah. Olivia, definitely one of the best dressed. Yes. Oh, coats. Jesus. The coats. My goodness. Till Do I get a game. coat when I get in the Senate? Ooh. I want a coat. <laughs> it's handled. This is gonna, you're just going to be yelling, it's handled. It's, it's like handled. we're not even talking about that right now. But <laughs> that's all good. Okay, so my next one. Um, what's your favorite musical hot take? Oh God, I had. Oh God, what is it? Um, I, I love these because this is where you get the unpopulated opinion, unpopular opinions. Um, you might gain some voters, you might lose oh, some. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, oh, I gotta ooh, find her ooh. name. Give me two seconds. All right, I'm here for this, y'all. This is great. Yes, I'm always here for unpopular opinions. Oh God! What is her name? It's on the She's from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, classic, classic thing R and B. R and B. Okay. She used to uh, sing with R Kelly. Oh God. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I know, right? And she has a story as well. Let me see. Um, Sparkle. No, not Sparkle. Selena Johnson. Yes. Yes. Selena Johnson. Yes. Is I'm a one music of nerd. The most yeah. underrated singers of our time. Mmm. Really? Fight me. Wow. <laughs> I think so. Wow. I think phenomenal. She is. She's mm. a great singer. All yeah. right. That's that's a her good and Kiki one. Wyatt. Kiki Wyatt under, is a monster. Yes, she is a beast. Every time she like she drops another kid, her voice goes another octave. <laughs> I know. It's like she how many like, octaves can really, you say? Like, Lord. but yeah, she uh Kiki Wyatt is a monster. And yeah, Selena Johnson. And I and right. I also am just I feel led to say this, mm-hmm. and people who know me are probably gonna crack up laughing. I just feel like in any space where we're talking about music, Jill Scott's name should be mentioned. So, mm, Jill mm. Scott. Hard, hard saying. I agree. Mm. Just, hard so saying. Her name just, just needs to be said. Just Jill Scott. Overall. Just gorgeous voice. Yeah. Gorgeous music. In gorgeous general. everything. Everything. She's everything. Beautiful. All right. Last but not least, um, before we get out of here, uh, I would like to know your favorite famous quote and why. Ah, Zora Neale Houston. Mm-hmm. I cannot weep at the world. I'm too busy sharpening my oyster knife. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Favorite quote. That's a, that's a heavy quote. It is, because it speaks to a lot of what I'm feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 
I am, you know, at a, I have had the privilege of, you know, working and living in so many different communities across the country. And, you know, every demographic is a little bit different, right? Um, and your, your blackness shines or not in different, you know, places, the way blackness shows up in DC or, um, uh, Houston or Dallas or Chicago or Detroit, right. Mm -hmm. Or Louisiana is a little bit different than, you know, how it shows up in Montana or Idaho or Kentucky or the Pacific Northwest, right. It's just different. And, um, I got to a point, um, and I can remember my freshman year at Lawrence university and freshman one-on-one class, we were reading this book. I don't want to say it was Pride and Prejudice. I always get the book wrong, but it doesn't matter. And the teacher says to me, Desiree, can you give us the black perspective? I was like, mm -hmm. on the, you want me to, for the book? <laughs> Every, all of us across the African diaspora, you want me to say, I can't do that. But I would tell you what I think, but I didn't do the reading assignment. So, um, <laughs> but I got to this place where I was, I just don't want to keep apologizing for my blackness. I don't mm -hmm. want to keep having this heaviness around me. I want to be able to just exist mm -hmm. and be and not feel like I have to move people past the tone of my voice, right? Mm -hmm. Or move people past my presence or my energy, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm a six foot tall black woman. I can't help. It's not my <laughs> fault. <laughs> I can't control it. Yes. <laughs> you know, but um, I feel like that there's always this thing in me that's like, you know, don't say that. You know, mm -hmm. Don't wear that. You know, don't do this. And I had to get to a place where it was like, I can't keep weeping at the world. I'm too busy trying to strive, not just for myself, mm -hmm. but for those that, you know, work shoulder by shoulder with me, those that are coming along aside and behind, you know, the younger folks. I can't weep anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't have, I tried to cry last night when somebody tried to, to, um, to uh, I'm going to say, bully me on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, which was very hurtful because I thought he was a friend. Um, and that was, it was disgusting and hurtful mm -hmm. and I'm disappointed. And I tried to cry. Mm -hmm. I tried. I, I had that one little Denzel Washington <laughs> yes. glory tear that came down. The, the thug tear. The I thug, like to right, the thug tear. The thug but tear. I don't have any more tears to cry. I want to mm -hmm. sit in joy. I want to sit in pride and not feel like my pride is making you feel bad about yourself because it shouldn't. If me being prideful about me and my blackness, if me being confident about who I am as a black woman, me advocating for myself makes you feel bad, that is not mine to carry. No. It's just not. Not at all. And I can't carry it because I have a knife in my hand sharpening. You know what I'm saying? I'm sharpening my oyster knife. I can't mm -hmm. focus on that. I can't let that guide me anymore. Yeah. So I have to ask. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have uh, necessarily causes that they work towards mm -hmm. when they enter the Senate. So I want to know, you, if, you, if you're in there, where would you kind of guide your energy and your passion in the Senate? Yeah, yeah. People ask me a lot about what my platform is going to be. And I've always said, and, and I'll say that today, is that it, I personally think it'd be irresponsible of me to have a platform in, in 21 days that I created, right, just mm -hmm. to get people's vote and support. Um, I don't work in Olympia. I don't work in the legislature's office. Um, and I, I haven't had the opportunity to talk to um, Jake and Lori about what their goals are and... Um, uh, or talk to the Pierce County Council about what their goals are. Like, this has been like a 20, maybe 30-day process 
you know, and I am my own boss. And my bo- my boss said, go to work, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I haven't had that privilege uh, to to create a platform to 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 wow everyone so that they feel comfortable supporting me. I think uh, because of the type of leader that I am, um, I want to hold focus groups and forums and have those conversations so that I can truly represent the needs of not just kind of the the establishment folks that, you know, we work closely with, but the people, the families. I want to hear their stories and their narratives and their needs. But there are committees um, that I'm uh, super interested in and want to put some energy behind. And, you know, the Business Financial Services and Trade um, Committee is super interesting to me just as a, a black woman business owner and going through the process of running a business and um, as a woman of color and, you know, understanding um, uh, the lack of resources that I have access to. How do I make that easier for, you know, other business owners so, owners so they can just have access to a good life? It doesn't necessarily have to be always about building wealth, right? Wealth takes, you know, generations, but how do we at least create opportunities so people can just have um, access to a good life? And I actually, when I, um, after I graduated, one of the many jobs I had was I was financial advisor Prudential. So I actually have a passion um, for business financial services. Um, the other committee is um, the Labor, Commerce, and Tribal Affairs Committee. You know, just my mm-hmm. background in labor. I'm always going to be on the front line for working class families mm-hmm. um, and collective bargaining rights um, and make sure uh, those are protected. Um, and then the other um, one that's really close to my heart is Human Services Reentry and Rehabilitation Services. This is close to my heart just because, you know, um, coming from the south side of Chicago, my family has uh, stories. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one of those is, you know, I lost my younger sister um, on Mother's Day. Um, and, um, you know, she was affected by a lot of the the, the services and the, and the policies um, that come out of this this committee. And not here in this state, but in, in, uh, in Gary, Indiana. You know, and, my, and her mother, um, you know, uh, served time and did time and um I watched how challenging it was for her to reentry and so um I want to uh figure out how do we actually create opportunities so people can just live a good life right mm-hmm. you know we make mistakes and you know we need to be held accountable to those and right there's room for grace and there's room for transformation and change and healing and how do we set people up for success so that they can just have a good life mm. we should not be uh blocking opportunity and resources just so people can just live and have access to you know yeah. the everyday resources like water shelter food so that's kind of where i'm I'm hoping to put some of my energy is this what i'm thinking about today mm-hmm. my hope is to get in there um get comfortable get through my freshman year and again these seats people sit in these seats for decades right jean darnell was there for 20 plus years like I have time <laughs> to build a platform, indeed, so indeed. I'm excited to to get in there and see and get my feet wet. Beautifully said. I hope so. Beautifully said. Thank you so much um, for you. coming out here. It's been great to talk with you. I know that we can always talk all the time, and it's always good talking to you in general. Uh, but this is really good to to speak at this platform and get a chance to see um, the beginnings of some great work that you're going to be doing with the community. I really hope so. I'm yeah. humbled and excited to. Yeah to be here remember everybody vote vote this tuesday uh vote for your you know the conscience the best candidate um please consider our good friend here desiree wilkins finch now will not be on this ballot 
Again, only the Pierce County Council votes only, for me. Only the Pierce County. Yeah. Okay, But still sorry. vote. And vote the, in yeah. general, y'all. Mm-hmm. I just like telling people to vote. Just vote. And the Progressive Voters Guide from Fuse Washington is a great tool. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much again for coming in. It's going to be great, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you, everybody. Good to you, people. Peace.